Hello and welcome to the Game Devastation Podcast. My name is Stefan Frost. Today I am joined with Matthew Makarski. Matt, how are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, today we're going to talk about Matt's uh, background in art and art direction and all the various positions you've worked, all the different places, uh, you know, and positions you've held. We're also going to talk about uh, how you get in the industry as an artist and uh, anything else that may pop up. So let's just go ahead and get started. Uh, how long have you been in the game industry? Uh, game industry, about 16 years now. Okay, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm an old man. Right. <laughs> so, and you've worked at, uh, right now you're working at Amazon Game Studios, working on an unannounced yeah. title that we won't talk about today. All right. Uh, we, uh, you and I worked together at um, Carbine Studios on Wildstar. Yep. Before that, you were at Ready at Dawn. Yep. Um, and you worked on the Jack and Daxter game, right? Yeah, it's just Daxter, their, their right. first game for the PSB. Yeah. That's right. Okay. And then prior to that, you worked on World of Warcraft Yep. at Blizzard. Uh, and then prior to that, was it Crystal Dynamics? Yes. I'm, dude, I'm dude, batting a thousand. You, like, you have my resume pulled I, up here? Dude, it's, like, a, yeah. it's on my brain. Uh, I don't even remember all those. <laughs> uh, and then before that, where did you work? Because now I don't know. Uh, so Crystal D was uh, my first game job. So I did so, it. I remembered yeah. everything. Okay, But good. I worked at a few companies before that. Right. Yeah. Okay. But we could talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that later. So how did you get into Crystal Dynamics, and what was the project that you were working on first? Okay, so um, I kind of came in at the very, very tail end of Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver, the first one. Okay. And uh, they actually had wrapped um, on that project, and they were about to uh, spin up Soul Reaver 2, but the, there was about like a three or four month gap before production or pre-production was starting. And, um, so I actually was working on the dreamcast version of that, of soul awesome. river one. Um, cause, uh, soul river one was for a uh, PlayStation and then, uh, but dreamcast could do higher res textures. So I was, they didn't author the textures at a higher resolution. So it was all just like native resolution. So it was really shitty. Um, so, Essentially, I went through and like repainted almost all the textures for the game um, for the Dreamcast, and I'm pretty sure that yeah, that one came out. That one did come out, and then on, along with that, we were trying to get a Japanese skew going. Um, so my first thing I had to do there was like every all game developers kind of know this. Like you have to go like different countries have different things you you know weird laws and what you can show and can't show right and um so in soul reaver you could kill people yeah. like you could just kill like average like villagers and stuff and they cower and you murder them and suck their soul right um metal yeah pretty cool and it was fun too um but that didn't fly in japan so I had to change the villagers to zombies and make them have gl red glowing eyes and then go through and replace all the blood with like green blood right. and replace all the skulls with like sandbags, I think is what we, what we did. <laughs> and it was really funny. Cause like, uh, uh, what uh, we didn't change the behavior. So it wasn't like, Oh, there's zombies and they're attacking you. It was like zombie people with red eyes, that are acting like villagers cowering. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately, like, we kept we, we kept making changes, and um, 
it kept getting denied. Like we'd send it back and we'd do all the changes that they wanted and it would get it'd get rejected and rejected. Now so, who was denying this? Is this the publisher or is uh, this? Yeah, Sony. Okay. So Sony Japan. Right. Kept we, we kept submitting and they would be like, No, you have to make these changes. And then at a certain point it just was wasn't worth the development time in right. order to get it done. So we just said, Okay, fine, we're not we're not gonna launch it in Japan. Okay. So that wasn't the first gig. Okay. So you, from there, you went to... Well, that that was... that was uh, After that, we started Soul Reaver 2. Right. So I was a uh, texture slash environment artist on Soul Reaver 2. Okay. Um, doing all the textures, UVs, uh, all the lighting. Um, and I think there was like three of us, three or four of us on that team. Now, what were you using at the time to do all that stuff? Like what tech? Um, we were using 3d studio max, uh, which was lucky because, uh, for soul reaver one, they were using, uh, R four and you couldn't view textures in the viewport. So all you could see is, um, the wireframe of the, of the model and, and they didn't have like UV sets or something that you could manipulate. So we had to make the, they made this program that they called tattoo which uh, you would load the model in, and then everything was built on quads. So you would actually stamp the textures. Like, you could only have it be, like, a square. Every Mm. texture had to be a square. So you would just stamp it on the level. I had to learn this to take my test. I had to learn... I had never used R4 before, because in school I learned Max. And um, so I had to learn that, and I had to learn their proprietary thing to get in. And, uh, but so we scrapped that for the, the second one. Cause we knew we were going to be on the PS or actually, no, when we started Soul River two, it was still PS one. Okay. And, uh, I think if maybe like six months after we started it, we decided, no, we're just going full PS two. Cool. Um, so we we're just using max Photoshop that that's really it. Okay. Yeah. So you worked on Soul Reaver two. Yep. Uh, that came out. What kind of made you want to go to a new place after working on that? Uh, so that's like a, actually, that's a really, really, uh, interesting story. I'll, I'll try to do this, the short version of it. Okay. Um, but there's a lot behind this and actually, uh, one of the things that has affected my career, um, since this happened. So, um, this is, this is getting like a real behind the scenes thing of some shit that happens in the industry sometimes. Right. All right. Um, we were, me and, uh, I had, I had a lot of close friends on that project. Actually, a lot of us went to college together. Um, and that's how I got into Crystal Dynamics. We could go into detail of that later. Right. But um, um, there was a small group of us on the team. The team was only like 30 people, right? Uh, there was a small group of us on the team. We were really worried about uh, our ship date. And so we were crunching weekends, you know, nights and weekends. We were doing about 80 hours a week at that point. Brutal. But it was only like five or six of us out of the 30 people, and everybody else was super casual. And the producers weren't saying, hey, team, we need to get this done. Because right. So, like, I, I, I even spent an Easter, I think, working. I remember that, like, very vividly. It was like, oh, my God, it's Easter, and I'm at work, right? We didn't even go out to eat or anything like that. Um, so there's a bunch of us that were that were burning. We were probably about, like, three four months from lock okay right 
And so it was pretty much the tail end of the project. And um, so we were really nervous. And uh, I had a I had one of my best friends that worked there. Um, he was also a texture artist. Um, him and the him and the director kind of butted heads a lot, right? And um, it got to a point where it was causing this rift on the team. And uh, our producer, our executive producer, he wanted to, you know, fix it, right? By either, A, getting rid of my friend, which we kind of knew might have ha- might be happening. Um, or B, you know, like fixing the relationship, right? So uh, long story short is basically they... They started, they, they took my friend in and they were like talking to him about like, Hey, you need to shape up, you know, you need to fix this relationship. And because I was so close with him, they actually talked to me too. They're like, Hey, you know, we're talking to this guy and, or your buddy. And we want you to know that we want to fix this, but it might come down to, he doesn't do what we need and we might need to fire him. It was like they spent the whole day with both of us. Like I talked to like all of the leads on the team, the producers, our director, everybody. So I got it. So I went out to dinner with my buddy afterward and I was like, so are you fired? And he was like, no, they're going to give me a shot. I got to shape up. And I was like, okay, are you going to try? Are you going to, do you really want to do that? Like, or do you just want to leave? And he was like, no, no, I really want to give it a shot. And he was pretty sincere. The next morning, like, there's a bu- there's a bunch of boxes in his cube. Always a good sign. Yeah. And he's not there. And then our executive producer escorted him to his thing. He grabbed the boxes, and then he was escorted out of the building. Right. And I tech yeah i texted him or i called him this is kind of before a smartphone so it was kind of hard to text i was like damn you're advanced texting back then yeah (laughs) yeah no i think i called him i don't think i was texting at that point you could but not many people were doing it right uh because this is like 99 right i think um no 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 this was like 2000 2001 and uh um he was like, I, he he was like, can you meet me for lunch, right? So I, I just took off work. I actually said, I'm taking the day off, right? And they accused him of doing something that was like super political thing. Um, there used to be like this industry gossip website where people wrote terrible things about people in the industry. Like, and uh, they accused him of making a post and he swears to me that he didn't do it, right? right. And they just let him go right and that really upset me so um i basically walked in the next day and quit hmm. but uh they wanted to keep me around because it was we were trying to finish the project um so after two weeks i negotiated a deal with them where i would stay on board and uh for the time being but i wanted to be contract because i was trying to get my own thing off the ground and I wanted to be able to go talk to companies for other jobs uh, while I was at work and not worry about getting fired or anything like that. Right. Right. So I renegotiated my contract and, um, but I did it in a very unprofessional way. And that's why I'm saying like, I would never do this again. It's actually one of my biggest regrets of how I left that company um, because I left the team in a, in a bad way. Right. Right. Um, 
like I'm proud that I stood up for my friend, but sure. uh, but professionally, it it just wasn't a good move, right? Yeah, and and, and uh, um, so I left probably two months later. Like uh, I was looking at, you know, like you don't really limit yourself when you're looking for a, for a new gig, right? And uh, someone I knew on the team knew the recruiter down at Blizzard, and I had known Blizzard. I had known Blizzard by reputation as like they make good art, right? Um, so like every artist wanted to work at Blizzard, right? Um, and I was like, oh yeah. He was like, oh, I could get you in touch. And I was like, oh hell yeah! And and sent my stuff, and they flew me down for an interview, and boom, got, got it, got now, the job. So at this point in time, this is this is what year? You're saying 2001? 2001. Okay, so 2001 hits. You're in. San Jose is that where that where uh, Crystal, Crystal D was in Palo Alto, Palo Alto, so yeah. Northern California. Yeah, yeah. So you fly now from Northern California, talk Blizzard, get the job. Yeah, uh, and you start and you work on World of Warcraft doing what? Uh, so I was hired as again like same thing, texture environment artist. Okay. Um, I, I think at the time though, like Blizzard was kind of it was it was big, but it was small compared to what they are now. Right. Right. Um, like, I think it was something like 1200 people worldwide um, at the time, which was which is still huge, which is huge. But that's not devs. That's like support, QA, all that stuff. Sure. Right. All the things. Yeah. Um, like there were two teams down south and Blizzard North was still around. So there was two teams up north. Right. And the team size were about like 50 people, I think. OK. Uh, you know, on average. Right. Um, so still pretty small, but it was, it was at that tipping point where like you could make a game in a year and a half before that. Right. You know, and with about 30 people and it started growing and you're like, Whoa, 50 people. Like, you know, that's huge. And now I'm like 50 people. We can't make a game with 50 people, you know? Um, but yeah, essentially like at blizzard, you just get the title artist or back then you did. Right. And you fill in when it, wherever you're needed, mm-hmm. you know, cause the teams are still small, but my main job was like painting textures for blizzard. Okay. Yep. Now what was it like at that point? Cause I, I just watched the, uh, looking for group documentary on blizzard the other day, um, which is kind of like this background of world of Warcraft. Oh, okay. I got started. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So what was it like kind of coming in? Cause you're working on a product, you know, like, uh, EverQuest is out at the time. Yeah. Well, Ultimate let, online is- yeah, let me tell you, this is hilarious too. This is, if it's a funny story, right? Cause you know, I wanted to work for blizzard cause they're blizzard. And honestly, I'd never played blizzard games. Really? That. Interesting. Uh, just to be perfectly honest, I lied in my interview. <laughs> um, um, I had played the Warcraft 2 demo. So like the share a long probably? time yeah, yeah, a long time ago. And Diablo 2 had come out, uh, and people at Crystal Dynamics, out, the team was like hooked on Diablo 2, right. and it annoyed the shit out of me because all I heard was people clicking their mouses over and over yeah, and dude, over that's again. All you do, dude. And I was just like, I don't want to play this game. Like, it's fucking annoying. I can't do it, right? Um, and at the time... Uh, the the rest of us were playing either Quake Three, um, mm-hmm. or uh, I was a big Age of Empires fan. Uh, Age of Empires Two come out. We'd been playing that for like a year and a half. We were obsessed with that game. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, in they didn't Blizzard wouldn't tell me what they were working on. Hmm. Um, and 
I made the assumption that was StarCraft Two because they had they had just they were they had already announced Warcraft Three, right? Right, um, and Diablo Two had just come out, so we're oh now StarCraft's the next one in the queue, right? And I'm like, cool, like I just did fantasy game, fantasy vampire game, you know, like it'd be cool to do, you know, StarCraft and you know do a science fiction game, right. um, and I knew StarCraft, um, but like again, never played it, <laughs> um, so. Anyway, um, and at the time, Blizzard, they didn't have really tours because, like, they didn't want to show you what they were working on. So I literally just was escorted into an, a small office with nothing on the walls, and people just came into the office to interview me. So I didn't even get to see the studio. Hmm. I didn't get to meet, I met, like, four people on the team in my interview, and that was it, right? So... Uh, I didn't know it. Like they offered me the job, and of course I'm like, yeah, like, why not? Let's do it. It's Blizzard. They make great games, you know. Like by reputation alone, I'll take this job. Sure. Um, and I moved down here, and I didn't know anybody down here either. I actually didn't have any friends or family or anything down here. So I like it. It was a blank slate for me. It was a, like I came down a few weeks early before I started to get an apartment. Um, and I go into the studio, and they're like, you know, this is now actually Lisa was the receptionist. Lisa okay. Schoner. Who's also the receptionist at Carbine Studios. Yeah, she's the office manager at Carbine, so we know Lisa. Yeah. And, uh, but I didn't know her at the time. Um, she's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, I just wanted to stop in and say hi, you know, and I maybe meet the team, you know, because I haven't met it, the team. And so the producer, uh, Shane DeBerry, came down and... Uh, he he was like, "Have you seen the studio?" And I'm like, "No." And so like he's giving me the tour of the studio, and I'm walking around the team. It was called Team Two. I think it's still called Team Two. It still Blizzard. is, yeah. Um, the Team Two area, and I'm seeing this game on people's screens, and I'm just like, I interrupt Shane. He's giving me the the tour. And I'm like, "Hey, um, so what's the game?" <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he goes. Oh, it's called World of Warcraft. Uh, it's like Warcraft, but it's like EverQuest, but with Warcraft. And my stomach just got in a knot. I was so disappointed because, like, um, a few people at at Crystal D were playing EQ and said it's the greatest game of all time. And I took one look at it, and it just looked like shit. And I was just like okay, that's a shitty game. And they were showing it to me, and I was like, this is a boring, shitty game. So hold on. Let, Sorry. Let, I, me, let me take a break for just a second yeah. to remind everybody, Matt McCarsky is an artist. He is a man <laughs> that loves his art, you know? So there's like, because I know there's a lot of people that be listening to this, but like, but EQ is the best game ever. Right? You know what? I, I wish, so here, I'll give you a little bit of background on this, right? On my experience with MMOs, right? Um, I wish I would have played EQ. Right. I wish I had a different introduction to it, but the way it was introduced to me was like, this is the greatest game of ever. Right. And I looked, I take one look at it and it looks like EQ looks. Right. And like, I didn't understand any of the technological like constraints that these games have. Right. Right. So for me, I look at a game and I'm like, that's just bad art. There's no excuse for that, even though they did have an excuse for it. They did right? because they had right. you know, 80 people on screen. And then the other thing is uh, 
my first MMO was uh, actually. Um, uh, what was the first MMO? It was. Uh, so there's Ultima Online. Ultima Online, yeah, right? Yeah. And I bought in the store and uh, it said, play with thousands of people. And I was like, oh, this is cool, right? I, I, I'm going to try this. And I didn't quite understand why it came with like a cloth map. And like, my, like as a kid, I never played D&D or anything like that. So sure. I didn't quite understand that shit. And um, I loaded it up. And I think we still had dial-up modems at that time yeah. and, and all that <laughs> stuff, right? And I couldn't figure it out. Like I played it for four hours and I was trying to chop down a tree and somebody in the game was like, no, dude, you can't chop down that tree until you get your proficiencies up or whatever. Right. And I'm just like, this sucks. I can't chop down a tree. I want to start murdering people. Right. You know? And like, it was already at the time where like I had been out for a, for a few months, I think. And like, people were just like, like trolling everybody and just, you know, like every, every exploit they could do, they already figured out and, basically ruined the game experience for new people right and so yeah i played it for four hours and i was just like i'm done with this game i was so disappointed that i paid fifty dollars so i already had kind of a little bit of a negative feeling so anyway fast forward yeah but this is this is why world of warcraft is so important right yeah because they basically took all the negative experiences that you're having and then they're like okay let's let's not do those things well and also uh, so so yeah let me get let me let me all right let me address that I'll, i'll address that so like you know, I would when I heard it was a World of Warcraft, I was actually really disappointed, and uh, I was just like, "Well, it's Blizzard. Make the best of it, right? Like, what can you do, right?" Because sure. and and that I, for all you like either experienced game developers or new game developers or or students or whatever trying to break in, um, you know, I always tell people like, it's not like if you don't like what you're working on then make it figure out how to make it better. Right. And do that. Yeah. Right. And don't be like, Oh, I hate this game or I hate this genre or I don't like this IP or whatever. Like, like the best game developers are like a force multiplier on any product that they work on. And you shouldn't limit yourself to one thing or another thing, you know? So, so yeah. Um, what was that? What were you talking about with World of Warcraft? So it, I was saying basically they streamlined kind of the experience oh, yeah, yeah. so that it wasn't as so, you know, brutal. I have my own opinion about that. Uh, um, and that's most of our team didn't play MMOs. Really? Like, especially the art team. So we didn't have any preconceived notion about what it should be. So we did, it wasn't like... it. Again, like I know our designers were super into them, right? But uh, artistically, we just approached it like we approached like a console game. So we built like we we fought. I remember my first day, um, they wanted to use. We were trying to decide whether to use Radiant. I don't know if you've ever used Radiant. No. Uh, it it was a it, it was a game engine thing like for Quake. I think and uh really limited like everything was like like square or quad polygons and stuff and you couldn't really you couldn't really sculpt with it right or to use 3D Studio Max and I was just like I I was adamant I was like we need to use Max they're like if we're going to be competitive we need to use Max right otherwise right. this game's going to look like shit right and um um 
they trusted me because I showed them actually my friend Aaron Keller, who's a lead on Overwatch. Um, he wasn't at Blizzard, but he was at Crystal Dynamics, and I showed I showed them Aaron's portfolio because Aaron was at the time he was a modeler, an environment modeler, and one of the best guys I'd worked with. Right? Sure. And the team was like, "Oh my God!" Like we could do this with Max, and you know. Nowadays, you guys would laugh at what that was, right? Because it was just like, you know, super low poly everything, and and um, but for the time, it was just like this is beautiful, right? And uh, and that kind of what that was uh, what convinced them to use Max, and um, I think like I think that was a really important decision to make on the project because like if we would have used Radiant, like you guys probably wouldn't be playing wild 10 years from now, you know, like, yeah. So, okay. So you get in, you start working as an environment artist. What did you work on specifically in the game? Uh, so the environment art team was, um, in charge of, uh, making dungeon cities and buildings. Um, and there was also like a prop team and there was also a world art team or level. They call it level design. Uh, but it was, it was like combination level designer world, world art where they're making the train. Right. Um, but specifically what I did um, is I did most of the cities in the game um, and then did most of the building sets in the game. Um, that was, that was a pretty large chunk of the game. And then I got to do like work on a few dungeons and, you know, we pick up, we do props and, you know, just like everybody chipped in. Like I got to do some armor sets and, and all that stuff too. So yeah, it was just really fun and loose. And it was just like, yeah, just pitch in where you can. That's you know? cool. So what would you describe the environment like when you got there? Was it, was everybody really excited to be working on this project? Was it, um, was it really harsh because they were working long hours? I mean, well, when we started, we weren't working on long hours um, or we weren't look. Yeah. We weren't crunching or anything like that. Um, it was great. Like it was, to be honest at that time, like my first year I was like, I'm going to be at Blizzard for the rest of my life. Hmm. You know, I was super happy. Like everybody was super positive. Um, around year two, um, we, uh, we started to get worried and we thought we were making the game that was going to put blizzard under we thought we thought it was going to be a massive failure and we thought well this is going to be the first blizzard game that isn't a success and 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 that wasn't just the team that was like some of the executives um um thought that too and we thought that eq2 and star wars galaxies were going to kick our ass right right? and uh, we're like maybe we could be a modest success like Maybe we could get to 500k uh, subscribers. Like that's EverQuest at its best. Right. But we we thought that EQ2 and Galaxies were gonna have about a million. Right. Right. And we we were like, maybe we could hit a million, but we were like, no, no, no. Let's not say that. That that's that that's unrealistic. Let's not think that. And because uh, the game just wasn't there, you know. I mean, these are really complex games to make. And, um, like if you ever make an, if you ever have an opportunity to make an MMO, um, 
it will give you a new appreciation for those games because um, so much work goes into it. You have to think of everything. There, like every every feature is just like making a whole game unto itself. Yeah, you and know? there's there's a bunch of features. Yeah, so. and you have to yeah you, you have to keep up with the features of like you know wow and they're still making features right right so um it really gives you an appreciation of like oh my god like these are extremely complex games and when you know it's sad to see them fail so quickly because you know how much work goes into them you know it's just kind of heartbreaking because you know like all these people put all this time and it's the biggest risk to me they're the highest risk games out there because they take long to develop and if you don't find your audience, then you're kind of screwed. Well, it's it's also, they take a massive amount of people to make yeah. on top of that. Right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, you're going to spend five to ten years making this thing. And then on top of the five to ten years, you need a lot of people. Yeah. So hopefully it works out. Yeah. So Blizzard Blizzard was kind of the Wild West back then, um, too. Like, they, they, they're, they're, a, they're a well-oiled machine now. But, like, we didn't really have like a schedule we didn't have task we just kind of talked to each other and be like hey uh what do you need for the game and and they're like oh we need some human buildings you know and it's like okay and then me and me and a modeler would just sit down and go okay what what do we think would make a good number of buildings where we could build a bunch of different towns and villages and we built, and literally it was us going, I don't know, like five. Yeah, sure, five. And and then we'd be like, all right, what type of buildings do we want? And we'd look at Warcraft two and Warcraft three, and be like, oh, let's make that, but uh, I don't like the design of that. Let's kind of mod it a little bit and everything. And um, you know, like it, it was just like sometimes there was concept art and sometimes there wasn't. We only had two concept artists on the team. One that left, I think, after two years, and then the other one was mostly just doing prop work. So at the time, we just did our own concept art, like hmm. we would just, or we just build it in three D from without concept art. Um, so it was really loosey goosey, and like that was a great time because, like, I I really think like if you if you did your your uh, you did some research and you actually tracked like people that were on the original wow team and um, whether they're still at blizzard or whether they've gone on to other things, they are like some of the top people in the industry. Like Dana Jan was like um, a modeler and now he's like the game director at ready at dawn. Right. You know, like, making awesome games so like it's just like it's crazy to think all the talent that was on that team that is now kind of like branched into different things um well i think irvine is actually a hub for game development because of blizzard oh yeah because those people right so ready at dawn is a bunch of ex-blizz guys and carbine was the same way and uh, red five is the same pretty much like almost i mean like almost everybody like they've pretty much pollinated Southern California, you know, like right. they, not into LA really, but you know, like definitely in the orange County area, yeah, a little definitely. bit into San Diego for sure. So you're working on wow for how many years? 
Uh, four years, I think. Four years. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah. So you get there, and what is launch like when you when you put out the game? Uh, launch actually launch was like one of the greatest experiences of my career. Um, nobody launches a game quite like Blizzard. I don't know if they now like. I don't know if it feels as special now because they do it for everything. They they're they're making a lot more games now, right? Right. Um, back then, they didn't launch a game like every year or anything like that. So um, I don't. I couldn't tell you. You probably talked to other Blizzard people to to find out what it feels like to them because like they go to Vegas and blah 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 and you know like. But I think now it's kind of expected. Right. You know, it's like. It's like if you give people Diet Coke and all of a sudden there's no Diet Coke, you're like, where the fuck's Diet Coke? You know? <laughs> right. Where it's like, hey, man, we get free Diet Coke. That's awesome. You know? Um, so, but back then, uh, it was huge. And we didn't know, like, even though uh, beta went really well, the numbers were really good. I think, I think beta was still in, like, I think 200,000 people were in our, like, open beta or closed beta or something like that. Right. Um, so still pretty modest numbers. So we weren't quite, we weren't, we thought it was going to be a slow burn. We knew we were going to be a success at that point. Right. right? Um, and we like EQ2 had come out and it seemed like everybody was, the, I think EQ2 shipped like three weeks before um, WoW did. And uh, um, it wasn't a hit, Right. It wasn't a runaway hit, and we feel feel like everybody was waiting for World of Warcraft to come out. Right. Um, but uh, the launch was awesome. They they did a thing at Fry's Electronics, so they invited the team. Where they're like, we're going to do a signing at Fry's Electronics, and we're like, oh okay. And we we just figure it was like a midnight signing, right? And the team we just we didn't know what to expect, right? We didn't expect anything big. We just expected like. People going into Fry's, buying a copy, and on their way out, like, they go down the row, and we just sign copies, and, you know, oh, like, people are trickling in, whatever. Right. We got there, and it was like a rock concert. Like, the line wrapped three times around the building. People lined up. They were there before us, right? Um, like, there was no parking, so we had to park, like, two miles away in a neighborhood and walk there. Oh, geez. And maybe not two miles, maybe a mile. Right. Um, there was a, there was a radio station there pumping music in the parking lot. And it was just crazy. Like the energy was crazy. And we were, we're looking at each other like, Oh my God, like we're going to be like a hit, you know, like, and, 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 uh, so we started walking the line and talking to people and trying to figure out where people were coming from. And some people were coming from like Washington, some like people had literally traveled across the country to be there, which for, as a game developer, like they came to that. That's by the way, like for game developers to pull people from across the country, like for just for a signature, they could, they could buy the game wherever they want. Right. But literally to come there to get our signatures. Right. And I think the team was around like 70 people. Um, and so they, we went in and they had like, they had all these tables all throughout fries that we were sitting at and they were going to basically just wind people through the tables and you're just signing and signing and signing for hours. Right. In fact, interesting point. 
I had a different signature back then, but my signature, Matt Makarski is a long thing to sign, right? right? And half, or I think like an hour in, I modified my signature so I could sign it faster. Right. And that is now how I sign things. Like that, that it, it, it was weird because, like, you never think, like, oh, I'm going to be signing shit when you're a game right. developer, right? right? And But people were coming through so fast. It was so many people that, like, you just had to, like, scribble, right? Um, and then they sold out of boxes. Like, but about, it was still, like, there was still a huge crowd they sold out, right? We went to Blizzard. Someone went to Blizzard, got all the employees' copies, all the copies we had at Blizzard, which were probably like a few thousand, right. brought them to Fry, sold them, sold out of that. And then they brought, they went to Blizzard and got posters and they were just, people wanted us to sign anything. So like at the end of the night, we were signing body parts and I was just like, okay, this isn't normal game development. This is, this does not exist. Right. right. So we should really appreciate this because, and that was awesome, right? And we were there until like five in the morning signing body parts. So crazy. pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. I've never had that experience ever again. Right. Yeah. That is rare. So, all right, you're signing body parts. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point though, you leave. Why? Why did you leave? So, um, you know, the game had launched, but like with an what you have to understand with an MMO is that uh, it's never over. No. Right? Yeah. Especially if you're if you're lucky enough to be successful, you just keep making, right? And uh um like I'd been on it for four years painting textures. Um you know, the, there was a certain amount of people just leaving, going on to different things and you know, it, it's kind of hard as a as a developer, you know, when when someone lands a great job and leaves the company, like you kind of start thinking like, oh, should I leave? Like, what what else is out there for me? Right? Do right. I like it here? Um, you know, like I I I liked Blizzard a lot. It had its problems, um, but I felt like eh, these problems you could get by these problems, right? And um, uh, a bunch of people had left and started Carbine already. Um, and, uh, like, so I had friends starting companies and everything. And, um, I wrote, I, I was sick of working on WoW. And at this point they had started working on StarCraft too. And I think StarCraft Ghost as well, mm. but StarCraft Ghost was kind of a cluster F. That's why it never came out. Sure. Um, and, uh, it was being developed by an external team. So it wasn't something that we could directly work on. We, we, we kind of gave feedback and paint overs and all that stuff. But, um, so I was sick of wow and I was really burnt out on it and I didn't want to paint another brick texture or anything like that. Right. Right. I, I exhausted my ideas. I felt like I was just like kind of out of ideas for that universe and I, I wasn't like on my a game. So like I wrote a letter or I kind of wrote this like Jerry Maguire ish document. Uh, not that I send it to the team right. uh, for my art director and the studio art director about why I love making games. 
and what about it I love. And I kind of love, what I love is that time where you feel like you could influence the product and make a huge contribution and, and make it a higher quality product or more fun or more beautiful, you know, like, but it's not out yet. Like it doesn't exist yet. And you're, you're bringing this, you're defining it. You're bringing it into existence. I love that. I love this. Like, we don't know what it's going to be yet. Right. And when, and when you get that point where people are actually playing it, like they went out and bought it and played it, it's surreal. It's like, oh my God, people are playing this thing that didn't exist that we created. And it's so weird to see people playing your game for right. the first time. I mean, you see people demoing it at like E3 or whatever, right? But it's different when you think of a person in their house playing the thing you worked on. Like, I still love that, right? So I was like, look, I don't want, I, I'm not really passionate about just like being a factory worker cranking out more stuff i mean like look it's great it's its own set of challenges at the time i didn't see the value in it and you know when wow shipped we were still behind the times on tech like we were just painting diffuse maps we we had just added spec maps to the to the game but only on the terrain not on everything else right you know and here's other companies using normal maps and, you know, uh, shaders and all that stuff. Right. Cause it was, I, th I think it was like 2004 Yep. and, um, new programs were coming out like ZBrush had just come out. Right. And so like, I was really excited to work on something else. And I was, and I told Blizzard, I was like, I'll work on anything. I'll work on Diablo three. I'll work on Starcraft. I will anything you want, just not world of Warcraft. And a few months later, they told me, they're like, um, we're going to need you on WoW. And I'm like, what do you, you didn't get my, what about my letter? And they're like, no, like, we really just need people to stay on WoW. And I was like, well, for how long? And they're like, you should probably, probably get like two and a half years. And I was like, okay, I can't do that. All right. Right. And that's why I left. Okay. So from there, you go to Ready at Dawn. Yep. Because you know Dana. Actually, me and Dana went to Ready at Dawn together. Interesting. We had okay. a, we had a, uh, we met Rue at, uh, Rue was area at, uh, E3. He had worked at Blizzard and, uh, they, they had just announced Daxter at E3. And Rue was like, oh, why, why don't we have lunch? We haven't talked for a while, right? I didn't really know Rue that well, um, but I knew of him. And, uh, that lunch was our interview hmm. and it was in, it was with me and Dana and, um, yeah, we both, that, that's how we got the job. We literally just had a lunch and I was like, uh, don't you want to show the team my work? And he's like, no, we know your work. And I'm like, really, you know, my work, like, how do you know my work? And he was like, well, your reputation at Blizzard was good. So we don't need to do that. And I was like, all right. And then uh, it was interesting that the same day we had lunch, I was flying to New Zealand for two and a half weeks. And I actually negotiated and got the offer from Ready at Dawn when I was in New Zealand in an internet cafe watching people play World of Warcraft next to me, which was super surreal, right? Right. And um, um, yeah, I came back from vacation and gave my notice 
and uh yeah you're like what do you think of that texture <laughs> texture's all right i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was like i actually like seeing somebody like a bunch of kids in new zealand playing world of warcraft was just surreal again another surreal moment of just like oh my god this is worldwide this yeah. is not just you know in the u.s and I'm sure they were upset about their connection because, you know, Oceana and getting. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that that I, mean, I don't know. They seem to be having a good time. So I was like, yeah, cool. All good. Uh, so you now go to Rad. OK. You are at Rad and you are working as what now? Are you still an environment artist uh, or what are you doing? So Rad was a smaller company. It was it, it, again. It was Rad like, is ready at dawn, by the yeah. way, just in case anybody's aware. Yeah. We will now refer to it as Rad. Yep. Um, they were about 30 people again. And the thing I liked about the reason why I wanted to go to rad was because, um, well, not only cause the people were there that were there. Um, it was because wow, when wow shipped, it became its own animal. Right. And all of a sudden, like I was a senior artist by the time it had launched and, but you still, you feel like this thing is bigger than you. Right. And there's so many people working on it, not just on dev, but like actually like support and GMs and everything that it would, it felt like sending your baby out into the world and all of a sudden it's, it doesn't need you anymore. Right. It's, it's Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I guess if your baby is Godzilla, I guess, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's it's, a weird. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's, it's everywhere and huge, right? Yeah. Like, Holy crap. <laughs> this is like knocking over everything. Right. Yeah. Um, and I wanted that intimacy again and, and with the team, right? Like, cause it was just like, I realized I got this feeling like it didn't matter if, whether I made like a building that was cool or not, that didn't have any effect on the success or failure of the game. The game was out. It was a success and like, my contributions are going to meant a lot felt like they meant a lot less right? right um than they did when we were developing it um so rad was like 30 people and i completely forget the question <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing there oh what am i doing there yeah um so uh again i was just an artist right like and because it was so uh, few people um we had, we had, we, although we had modelers and texture artists, I was technically a texture artist, but um, there was only one other guy, Christian Leichner, and um, we textured the whole game from characters, environments, UI. Um, we did effects. Um, you know, sometimes we would model stuff. So it was a really small team, and like, I loved it because. Like you could literally just build any like build something, get it in game, and like you knew exactly what it was, how that was affecting the game. Right. right. It was almost the opposite of WoW. So it was a really good, it was a good project to be on and a good company to be on coming off WoW because I was so burnt out from what WoW, and it was just a totally different experience. And it was on the PSP too, and this was when PSP just came out, right? Yeah. And everybody at the time before, before PSPs became doorstops, um, everybody was super excited about the PSP and right. like thought it was like the hot shit, and we were all playing it, and everybody was like, 
And Daxter, I, I'll stand by this. I think Daxter was the first game on the PSP that proved you can make a game that felt good on the PSP that felt like a PS2 game. Right. Um, Cause the controls were amazing. Like the controls really felt good, even with the shitty analog stick the right. PSP had. Um, but, and before that, everything was kind of like, it felt like a, a, a lower quality version yeah. of like PS2 games. And uh, we were really proud of that. So, so yeah, uh, it was just, it was just good times. It was totally new, right? New tech, new, new system. Well, I don't know if I if I ever told you this actually, but so I before I got into the games industry, I actually uh, interned at G4 TV um, as a a dude that would basically get gameplay footage. Oh, really? Yeah. So that that would be like when they were on X Play, they would need gameplay footage of things, and then they would talk over the review, you know, right. whatever, like they do. So I had to capture that game, and I'm like, huh, this is the first time I played a PSP game, and I thought it wasn't shit. Like that was immediately yeah. what I was thinking of when I was playing it. So, yeah, uh, it's funny. You say it's that. a fun little game. Yeah. Like it actually, like that's one of the only games that I personally worked on that I've I played through like two or three times after it launched. Right. No, it's good. Right. Game. Yeah. Like usually, you play through once and be like, oh yeah, that's good. Because you're playing like what you, what you guys need to understand for you non-game developers out there is like. When you make a game, you are playing it all the time. Like you're testing it, you know, and if the game's fun, you're playing it in your free time as well, like before it's launched, like in the alpha or beta or whatever. Um, so by the time it launches, you're almost done with it. Yeah. You know, so to actually play your, your game that you spend all your time and energy on, like multiple times, means that. You, you probably really like that game, right. you know? Yeah. Most yeah. death. Yeah. So uh, you leave Rad. Yep. Go to work at Carbine Studios. Yep. Now, you didn't start out as art director there. Nope. What did you start out as? Uh, I was started as a lead environment artist. Okay. So you're the dude in charge of making sure that the world looks good. Yeah, yeah. And and it was, it was very interesting. Um, at, coming off WoW... Again, I kind of talked about how difficult MMOs are to make. Coming yeah. off a of while, WoW, I was like, I never want to make another MMO ever again. And uh, um, so uh, but I had a bunch of friends that, that worked at Carbine. At the time, it was just NCOC, NCOC. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, um, but I, they were all talented guys, and I was really interested in what they were going to make. Right. And... Uh, I always tell people, like, at Rad, I, I loved Ready at Dawn. Like, it was the most fun I ever had developing a game just because of the people and the, 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 the vibe there was just awesome. It was just like a bunch of friends in a garage making a game almost. A big garage, you know, but... Right. Um, and a lot of talent, right? So, but for some reason, like, maybe one day a week... I really didn't like it there. There was something that rubbed me wrong, either like, I don't know, it was weird. Like, I, like it was consistent. I loved it. Like, we were working like six days a week, I think, on at that point. Right. It was a short project. It was like six months. Wow. Um, so we were working like six days a week. And so I'd say like one out of five days, or one out of six days, I, I didn't like working there. And my friend called me up on one of those bad days and said, Hey, you know, like we're looking for a lead. What do you think? And I didn't want to work on an MMO. And I was, but I was like, 
you know what? I'm going to get to see what they work on. So why don't we have lunch and you show me? And uh, so we had lunch and got caught up and um, they're like, oh, let, let, let me show you what we're working on. And uh, at the time, it was a game called Sanctuary. It wasn't actually Wildstar. It was a little more fantasy. Right. Art direction was was a little bit different, uh, a little more Final Fantasy. And um, but like they showed me the artwork, like the concept art by uh, Corey Loftus, and it, it was a very different Corey Loftus at the time. Like now, he's very D- Disney and Wildstar. You know, is heavily influenced by his work. Um, it was very different. It was more painterly and everything, but it was drop dead gorgeous. I'd right. never seen anything like that in a game. And I went home and I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, I need to work on that. Right. And I couldn't get it out of my head. And I knew that, yeah, I would regret if they. It, I, I thought ahead and I was like, if they launch that game and it looks that good, I will regret not, not taking that job. So that's why I took the job. All right. So you take the job over there. Yep. You start working as the environment artist. Eventually, though, there's an opening for the art lead, correct? Or art yeah, director? Yeah. So what happened, um, not to dish too much dirt, but um, when I got there, it was kind of a cluster F, right? right? Always sounds like a great idea. Hey, we have all these talented game developers. Let's go and start a company together that had never started a company before. Right. Um, you find out really quickly that within the first year, you're either going to like fold or succeed, right? Um, a lot fold, right? Like I remember there was, there, after StarCraft, there was a group of Blizzard guys that went and started their own company. Didn't work, and they went back to Blizzard, right. you know? Um so it's not always about oh having talent and stuff like that. Like you have to have a good plan and you and and, and a good structure. And we didn't have that, right? Um, or Carbine didn't have that right away. So uh, yeah, it was kind of a cluster F. And so we had all these really talented artists. Uh, there was maybe like seven of us hmm. who were all like senior level people, really talented, all very strong. You know, strong willed, strong headed people. Right. Um, like to argue a lot, um, had, uh, strong opinions. Uh, and, uh, most of the team didn't like the art direction for the game. Hmm. And, uh, there was, I became this weird ambassador between the art director and the team because I was really good at talking to everybody. And, uh, um, the art director at the time wasn't that great on his people skills. Right. Um, so like I was kind of already acting in some way as like an art manager. Right. On top of being the, the, the lead environment guy. Um, and, uh, a few things happened. The art director left and, uh, they offered me the position and I said, no, and uh and they're like why and i was like because this place is a cluster f and like i don't know if i want to do it and um i went home and i thought about it and the reason i took the job eventually was that uh i thought about someone some outsider coming into this with all these strong personalities but people i've worked with for like you know at that point like six years 
and uh, figuring it out, like being able to navigate the art team and understand that, just just learning. I'm not not saying they couldn't be successful, right? I'm just saying like just coming in and having that experience, I couldn't imagine anybody doing it. And I felt like I was the best guy at the time. Not that I'm the best artist or art director or anything like that, but for that team, I already knew I could talk to them as individuals and I understood what their motivations were and what their concerns were. And I felt like this, that's the best opportunity for success. So that's what, that's why I ended up taking the job because I just felt like I could, I could pull this team together. Okay. So you take the job reluctantly Mm -hmm. as it were. Uh, no, at that point I was invested at that point. Like you're all in, I was reluctant at first, but after after I got my, you know, like most people would take that job in a heartbeat, right? They go because they want to be an art director. Right. But I had never really thought about, because I never had that opportunity um, outside of doing my own stuff in my free time. I never really thought about what it meant to be an art director until like they really offered me that job and I had to think about, okay, how am I going to do this? Cause I don't, I don't know how to be an art director. Right. And, um, um, and I'm, I was just like, you know, like everybody starts, nobody starts as an art director. You learn how to do it. Right. And, and they're giving me this opportunity and I think I could help. And, and after that I was like, I'm in. Right. right. And so like, it wasn't like I was reluctant when I took it. I kind of already had a plan before I accepted the job. Is this like 2007? Roughly? Uh, 2008? I actually think this is 2005. 2005, wow. Like, well, oh wait, no, I'm sorry. I started I started in December of 2005. I started at Carbine. Um, this was, yeah, uh, no, 2006. Yeah, 2006. Okay, so it's 2006. It was a, it was a year after I year and a half after I started. Okay. So you're working on the game and we won't go too much into it, but I know that there is, uh, how there was a few games really before Wildstar kind of came to be, right? Like, um, well, we always knew it was going to be an MMO. Yeah. And that was about it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, yeah. Like, so the 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 IP probably went through two or three major iterations. Right. Um, the art style went through three iterations, but we nailed the art style before. I know this sounds weird to people, but we actually nailed the art style before we had the IP. Right. Yeah. So like you could have an art style, even though like you don't know whether you're gonna have rock people or or mer people. You know. Right. Um. And because we really liked the art style. So the art was kind of ahead of everybody. Um, but, uh, yeah, and there were a lot of restructuring of org. Like I said, like starting a new company, it was like we didn't have, like, we didn't always ha- have the strongest leadership, and we were figuring that out. Um, so, you know, like the team went through some ev- major evolutions and reorgs and stuff like that uh, before we finally got to the point where we're we're making wildstar right you know so uh when we were making wildstar 
because I remember coming on and everybody seemed angry all the time. How, like, how, when did you come on board? I started in 2010. Okay. So, so you were there for four years? Yeah, I was there four for years? about a little over four years. Okay. And I remember people just being like, I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that in different departments yeah. and being mad all the time. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually over time, it was kind of like, okay, well, we need to kind of figure out a way to right. ha- not have everybody pissed all the time. Yeah. Uh, and so we started working, you know, together. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Where, where you start working with people and you start uh, listening to their ideas. The, the thing that I, th- I think kind of seemed to be a problem at first was that people... Um, would, you know, I think a lot of the artists had ideas for stuff and then maybe some of the designers would be like, look, you guys are artists. Okay. Just go ahead and art. And yeah, then- I think, I think what it was, was, um, and this is like really bad if you're at this point in game development or on a team, which is like, I think everybody was afraid for their jobs. Hmm. Right. Because we you know, we did have some churn and we had some, you know, uh, terminations and some people leave and everything. And I think people were really nervous about, like, their own worth on the team. Right. And they felt like, well, if art does design, what does design do? Right. You know, it, like, what does that mean? Like, am I going to get fired or am And we, and look, from... A management perspective that's not how it was at all right but um i don't think we did a good job um early on of making people feel secure right you know and some of that was nc soft because like they didn't like we felt like they weren't sure about our game so we thought maybe they would pull the plug at any minute right um so I think it was like a whole organization thing of not making people feel secure in what they're doing right um, and we didn't address it very early. Right. And, um, and that was bad. Yeah. You know, that was a mistake. Well, and I remember, so uh, getting there and I think I was kind of at the tail end of that, um, because yeah. then there started to be this kind of turn where, you know, people were kind of working together and actually, you know, it was, it was figuring out what the problems were and then addressing those problems. Right. Cause I remember that cause to this day, I think the most energetic team that I've worked on is, is Carmine. Right. Um, uh, because they were, you know, they were, they were very passionate. Like everybody gave a damn. Yeah, for sure. Like there yeah. was, there was this sort of interest, whether you were in design and they, not everybody was super experienced. I mean, I know that a lot of the early guys were, yeah, but, no, you know, most of our team wasn't. Yeah. Because, like, uh, we we're new, new company, new IP. Right. Um, in Blizzard's backyard, right. um, you know, Riot became the hot shit too. Right. Um, so it was, and we, it wasn't like we, like, had the money to just pay ridiculous salaries for um, senior people, right? right. Like, 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 so we had to identify talent, like either from schools or that were, you know, lower well, level, and give them even Loftus. I think was straight out of school, right? Uh no, not well. Kind of. Okay. Like Loftus was, uh, he was working in a wine and cheese company actually, <laughs> and uh, doing illustration. Okay. And um, which is kind of funny, but um, he had done some uh, freelance stuff for the animation industry. Oh, okay. At that point, but he was going to Laguna College um, during that time. Right. So Eric Henza the 
um, our lead animator actually knew Loftus through the school. Okay. So, um, so yeah, it was his first game. Right. And there, and there were a lot of people like that that were really talented, but maybe had not shipped a game before. Yeah. Like, so like, especially the art team, like I, I, I don't really know the resumes of like most of the design team or some of the engineers, but the art team, we had very experienced leads and seniors. And then, um, than just a boatload of people straight out of school. And um, um, the great thing is uh, now that the game's launched, uh, all those people straight out of school, they couldn't land jobs at like Blizzard or, you know, some of the bigger companies in the industry. Right. Um, so they came to us and, you know, it wasn't like we were like star for talent. Like we, we actually had a pretty rigorous testing process and, the, and all that stuff. Um, and these guys were killing it, right? probably because they didn't have any bad habits, right? They didn't, they just saw a piece of concept art and was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Um, but all these guys now, they're all at Blizzard. They're all at Riot. They're at Bungie, you know, like, like the, I mean, you know, say what you will about the success or failure of Wildstar, you know? Um, I mean, it's still going and they're going free to play and hopefully it finds its audience. Um, but we actually trained a team of like amazingly talented game developers who are now going off into the industry in a bunch of different places working on like the top games out there. Right. Which is, that makes me like, that's awesome. Well, it's great. It's also their energy, the at straight out of school. There's a difference between somebody like you, for example, I don't want to say you're jaded, but you know you you oh, I am just, no, <laughs> but you had worked on a bunch of stuff and you're like oh you know and you learn all these things yeah and, yeah and and habits and ways to do stuff and with these guys they're just they're fresh out of school and they're like hungry you know they want to make something yeah. like really cool and they're really energetic and I remember a bunch of them coming into like Don I used to sit in an office with Don Telly and a bunch of them would be like all right we came up with this idea what do you think and we just sit right. there and be like okay Don Telly would be like. No, you're an idiot. You <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't say you're an idiot. You'd probably say no, but you know. But it was still great because they were they were motivated about it, and there were a lot of features I think in WildStar that would not be what they were had not artists uh, been super motivated about wanting yeah, to push like, the boundary. More like I always told people, uh, Carbine was probably out of all uh, out of all the companies I'd work for, which you know isn't actually a lot. You know, it's only like four, right? Um, five now at Amazon, but um, like out of all the companies, it was the place that was just open to if if there was an opportunity and you seize that you were motivated to seize that opportunity, like whether it's pitching a feature or like doing a different job, like you know an artist becoming a designer, designer becoming an artist or an engineer, right? Um, like we allowed that and we, we like celebrated that at the company. Right. And, um, now if you're the type of person that needs to be handed something, right? Like, Oh, do you want this opportunity here? I'm putting it on a, on a plate for you and you could just take it. It wasn't that company, right? but it was definitely the company. Like you have a cool idea. All right. Show us. All right, cool. Go make it. Right, you know, and that was pretty much it. And I've never quite been at another company that w- that had done that. Right. Yeah, I think there are a lot of I think the hoverboard 
for example. Yeah, yeah. It's this passion side project for yeah. a couple of guys, and that came in. It was a big deal. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Worked on Wildstar for a while. <laughs> a wild. Well, star. I was at Carbine for eight and a half years. Right. Um, and, you know, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, as, you know, you guys have heard. But um, the thing about it was after... After that first experience at Crystal Dynamics and how I left, um, like I made my I, I made a deal with myself that when I when I start a project, I'm gonna be there till the end. Right. Right. No matter how it's going, like you will all as a developer, you will always have opportunities. Better opportunities come up midway through a project, right? Like we all get called by recruiters all the time, right? Um and when things aren't going really well, sometimes you look at that and you're like, hey, there's a better opportunity. I'm going to take it. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, I respect that because um, you got to look out for your career too, right? But for as a, as a manager or as a leader, as an art director, it's very different because, like, I'm convincing people to come work for us, right? right. After an hour-long conversation, about an hour or two of talking, because of what I'm saying, people decide to pick up their lives from wherever they're from, right? Like, they might be from, like, across the country and are taking me on my word um, or at face value, right, that this is a good opportunity for them. Right. And so for me to cut and run as that leader or someone that I felt like this heavy burden of responsibility of like, I owe it to these people to give every effort I can to make this thing a success. Right. Um, even when it doesn't look like it's going to do that. Right. Right. And I, I'm the same way now at Amazon. Like I, I really like I'm invested in the game I'm working on and, and, uh, the people I bring on board, I take, I take that very, like I take that very seriously. Um, so that's why I was there for eight and a half years. Right. Cause, uh, and there were, there were definitely times like <laughs> to be all honest with you guys, like, look, carbine was great. Working on Wildstar was fantastic. I love the people. Actually, I miss working with a lot of those people. Right. right. Um, but, there were bad days and one day I actually quit. Hmm. I walked out and I told my boss, no, I'm done. And I went home and my boss called me on the phone, Jeremy right. called me on the phone and we talked for four hours and, uh, he was like, just come in, come in tomorrow. We're going to take the whole day and sit in a meeting and we're going to work this out. Right. And we did. And it was great. And I had the utmost respect for Jeremy after that because like had he not done that, I wouldn't I wouldn't have shipped Wildstar. Right. Right? I would have been done. And uh um I'm really happy that he did that. So for those of you out there that are like, I want to be an executive producer someday, you have to deal with that plus launching an entire game. So right. fun stuff. Right. Uh okay. So yeah, then then you move on to Amazon. We won't talk about that. Cause yeah, yeah, not, nothing to talk about yet, but yeah. uh, maybe, maybe in the near future. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let me ask you. You know, we we've talked a lot about your your background now. Um, yep. What 
what have you learned over the years that has helped you improve as a game artist specifically? Game artist? Um, wow. Uh, I think the things, this might sound weird to you artists out there. Uh, the thing is, is don't always, don't obsess with making the best art, right? Like if you've, if you focus on every little asset and you're like, this thing needs to be rad, this thing needs to be awesome, right? Uh, then you're losing sight of what you're doing. You are not an artist. You are a game artist. You're, I, I, I would always tell people this. Like, I would say, you're not an artist. You're a game developer that happens to do art. And a lot of people don't like that when I say that. And the reason I'm saying that is, you're not here to make great art. Like if you want to make great art, like do an awesome Z sculpt or something like that, post it on, you know, like conceptart.org or whatever, you know, like, or art station or something great, right? That's making art and it just exists in that form and that's it. Right. Or, and maybe, maybe you're lucky enough you're one of the lucky few or you're talented enough or you're popular enough um, to where people want to pay for that for you just to make art sure um but when you're in when you're making a game you have to focus on the game the experience right and you need every decision you make is actually should be geared toward understanding what you're communicating to the player or how it's being communicated and if you don't think of that like if i just wanted to make a pretty scene that's super easy if i want to make a pretty scene that is navigable that's very different, right? Mm -hmm. And if I want to make a pretty scene that's navigable and has certain creatures in it that the player could easily identify, and then on top of that have good metrics for like combat, all of a sudden these things compile into like it's almost like a it, it, it's a bigger problem than just making the pretties, right? You know, and I think that that that's my advice to most people out there is like. Don't get up, like, don't worry about making portfolio pieces, right? And now you look at you look at um, some of the more popular games out there, like Minecraft, right? Every artist I know looks at Minecraft and said, "I could do that in like a weekend," right? And now it's like worth billions, yeah. right? And or like even the original League, or League before they did their big art update, League wasn't a great looking game, right. you know. Um, so I'm not saying don't make good art. I don't want I don't want people to think that. So what that. you're saying is make shitty art. Make shitty art and you'll do good. <laughs> um, I'm saying know know that your goal is to make a good game and a good experience, and uh, you know like try to figure out how art can best support that experience and affect that experience. When do you think you learned this? When did I learn this? Yeah. Um. A little, like, honestly, it's something I learned very early, but I don't think, I don't think I made that, like, I always saw myself as a game developer um, as soon as I got in the industry because, like, with small teams, you're, you're kind of designing as well, right? You're, like, when you're, when you're an environment artist, you're laying out a level and you're thinking about the mechanics of that, right? 
Um, but the biggest, I, I remember that the catalyst for this, like thought, so like over time, you, it, it just grew over time, right. Of working on games. But the catalyst was my first E3 where we were showing Soul Reaver 2. And we, we made this like level that was like Anger Watt with all these cool vines like growing down the walls and everything, right? It was like a swampy area, uh, you know. And I had obsessed over making these vines perfect, right? And it was only in the the intro area because like that was the only outside area. It was just like a really small space, um, but it set the mood and set the tone. And uh, I had obsessed over these vines, and we had like we had technical issues and we had uh, artistic issues and all this stuff, and we solved it right. And it was great, but but it was a large investment. Now, what I what I didn't know was like. What I didn't think of was these vines were primarily on the backside of where the player was moving towards. So, like, it was on the wall behind the player. Right, where they're not looking as much. Where they're not looking. Right. But I didn't think of that. And we went to E3, and I'm watching people play the game, and they literally run by it in 10 seconds and don't even... You know, like, as a game developer, I would go in the engine, and I'd be like oh, let's go into look around mode. And I'm like analyzing it going, oh, look at that art is so cool, you know, blah, blah, blah. And every single person that played our demo ran by it. You run by the, the this room within like 10 seconds and nobody looked at the vines. And now it felt like an idiot, <laughs> right. you know? And that was the catalyst. After that, I understood that obsessing over things that the player isn't going to experience right like like that could that that prop could have had had seams and everything and nobody would have cared i'm not saying put seams and again i'm not advocating for bad art right um i'm just saying like sometimes the player doesn't care right right and as an artist we get caught up in in these details of like we we just we we think of them as artists and that's really that's kind of bad right. right um i once had this conversation at carbine with my team about does stylization matter like to the play average player like as a gamer like if you could if there was call of duty uh, call of duty is a bad bad example cuz call of duty is trying to mimic reality right right but let's say gta right if there was gta how it exists today which is realism and at the same time there was stylized gta and it was the same exact game like would you would would the average consumer like buy the stylized one over the realistic one it's hard to say because like the data doesn't really steer one way or the other yeah. right well yeah because i mean like league of legends pretty stylized yeah right world of warcraft stylized, stylized right? right and then yeah. you have like call of duty and gta and like i like i like both right i yeah. like i like working on more stylized games but i actually like playing both right and i have appreciation for when people pull off like realism like 
like Uncharted is amazing. Right. Or it, Last of Us. Yeah. Yeah. Any yeah. Naughty Dog game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you get through learning that stuff. One of the things that uh, I'm very interested in talking about on this podcast is how do I get in if I'm not in the games industry? So if you're an artist, uh, right. the, the, the interesting thing that's been popping up as I've been asking people this question, a lot of people say you should find a niche. Like if you're really good at doing characters and it's stylized characters, do nothing but stylized characters and show that off. Do you think that's the case? Or if somebody's no, like, no, I don't I'm, think that's the case. Really? You think they should be I, more generalist? Uh, I think that, and th- this is difficult. You should be able to do everything, right? Because that makes you more valuable, right? And we just talked about stylization versus realism, right? Right. Like, if you only t- if you if your portfolio only does stylization, a lot of a lot of art directors are out there are going to think, look at your work, and be like, "Well, I'm doing Call of Duty, and they are making Warcraft, right? Like." are they going to be able to do this or would they even want to do this? Because that shows that they, if you have something thematic, like I, even, even theme wise, I would say diversify right now. Here's the, here's the catch to that. If you suck at one of them, don't put it in your portfolio. (laughs) Okay. But like the goal is not to suck at it. The goal is to show, like if you could show one piece where you're like, realistic cowboy and then another one that's like stylized space marine and another one that is like i don't know like a hyper stylized or hyper realism you know like like alternate history thing that shows me you have like a lot of depth and and stuff but i also tell people this and this takes a lot of work um but if you really, really want to land a job and you're trying to decide what to put in your portfolio, customize your portfolio for the job you want, right? Yeah. So if you're going to go work, if you're trying to get into Blizzard, like make something that Blizzard does, like make a space marine from StarCraft or make like something from WoW, right? right? And it doesn't have to be your whole portfolio, but put it as the first thing in your portfolio. And... If you're trying to get in as a prop artist and the first thing in your portfolio is a character, that's not good. Right. Right. Know the position. And all you need to do is rearrange your portfolio. And like most of you guys have like online portfolios now, you know, like it's pretty standardized. So it's a little hard to specialize. But if you're really trying, if you're not like shotgunning the industry and you're going for like Naughty Dog, like, understand that you're going for naughty dog and ask yourself like maybe prioritize which companies you you want to work at more than others and then you know uh rejigger your portfolio to be like because like i don't always look through everybody's portfolios i i'll look through the first three image is will will determine whether i continue looking or not Hmm. so you got to get it done quick yeah yeah like like because you're looking at you know at some companies you're looking at like maybe like 50 a week. Okay. Yeah. You know, so like, that's, like, a, that's like, a fair amount yeah. to look at. Um, all right. So you're, you, you would recommend generalize if you can, if not, well, generalize, your generalize are, right? is a, it, it, that seems like a negative term, right? Right. Like, cause it means like be generic or something like that. 
uh, be diverse. Diversify. There we, go. there we go. Diversify your portfolio, just like investing. Diverse, diverse portfolio. Right. Um, but uh, the other thing is um, everybody wants here, – here's the thing. Here's, here, here's, uh, I always tell this to students, and nobody listens to me because everybody wants to do the thing that they think is the most fun or the thing that they're most, most passionate about. Getting into the industry – that's your goal, not working on a project that you love or working at a company that is prestigious. Get your foot in the door any in any way, shape, or form. Because as soon as you work on anything, that makes you more valuable and um, to other companies, right? Yeah. So you might like you might have to take a shitty salary, right? You might have to work on a crappy game, like that's okay. That's better than no experience. If you can't break in, like take the hit and get that in your head. And I know all you guys are going, but I have student loans that are ridiculous, right? And I I appreciate that. But like not getting in the industry isn't good for student loans either, right? right? It's just going to further delay it. it uh, uh, hang on, I want to say one thing. Sure. But um, everybody... Okay, so there, there's this weird hierarchy for artists, right? Uh, either the top ones are concept artist, character artist, and animator. Right. Right? When we open positions for the, for the, or when we open those positions, you get thousands, thousands of people. Everybody wants to do characters. Everybody wants to do concepts. Everybody wants to do animation, right? Because it's, it's like, the the glorious people artists see it as oh the, like that's what I want to do because that's the fun stuff and everything um, and then you open like positions for like effects artist or UI artist and you get nothing right, right? so if you want to break in identify the jobs that fewer people are doing. And, you know, it's probably difficult when you're in school because I don't think schools actually teach effects and UI like they should be, right? Um, and I'm talking game UI. I'm not talking about like like building a website or, you know, being a graphic designer or something like that. I'm talking about like illustrative UI is really hard to find. Um, or UI artists are hard to find. Um, and I say like, if you, if you show awesome UI work, like, like Miguel, Miguel Duran, like he didn't have, he didn't have much experience, but man, his portfolio was amazing. And he came in and just did awesome. Guns right? blazing. Yeah. yeah he's, he was our UI artist on Wildstar and now he's at infinity ward, I think, or Treyarch. Yeah. One of those. Said one of those. Yeah. Two. I think he's working on call of duty. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I tell students, find the jobs that nobody wants to do and become awesome at that. And then you're in the industry, then you make contacts, and if you do a good job and you get a good reputation, then tr try to move into character art or concept art or something like that. But breaking in as a, as a character artist, man, you're going against the top talent in the industry. You know, you're going against guys that have like 10 years plus of experience. And the only way you're going to do that is if a company can't afford the top guys and you're going to get a crappy salary and that's okay too right, right? you got to know your position you you as students are not in demand 
or you as non, uh, you might not be a student, you might just be trying to break in. You're not in demand, right? You, you don't, it's hard for a company to see the value in you if you haven't worked in the industry. So even if you've worked in the industry as an effects guy, if you have kick-ass artwork or character artwork, I'd be like, well, they understand game development and they've been in production environments and, you know, they could work on a team and do awesome art. Awesome art is awesome art, right? If you make good decisions as an effects artist, then most likely if you make characters, you're going to make good artistic choices too, right? It's all fundamentals like color and value and, you know, shape and silhouette and, you know, even movement, timing, animation, like if you could get good timing on effects, that might like you're probably if you animate a character, you're probably going to have good timing on the character because you're making the same type of choices. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, Donatelli and I talked about this last time actually because the hard thing was that going to PAX or any of those shows and you have these people come out to you going like, I really want to get into the industry. You know, do you have any producer positions open? And I was like, Well, do you have any experience? No. Okay, you're probably going to have to start out as a PA or going into QA. Right. And then working your way up. And they're like, I don't want to do QA. Yeah, I don't want to do QA. Oh, well, everybody starts that way. Unless you're at a, like, a particularly small company that's willing right. to like go out on a limb and try it. Right. It's just it's a hard thing to do. So I mean, every now and again, there's the exception to the rule like Loftus, right? Right. Who was just a kick-ass artist. Um, and like, but if you can't look at your art, I mean, I mean this is really hard because like most people aren't on, most artists aren't honest with where they're at in terms of level. Right. Right. If your artwork isn't as good as what you're, what is in a naughty dog game or in, you know, a Warcraft game or stuff like that. If you, if you can't look at your work and know that it's not equal to what you're seeing in the games out there, or it's less or better, you know, like you got to understand where you're at and what you need to improve upon. You're going to have a really hard time. Cause like, I have a lot of, like, I get a lot of artists that are like, they come in and they're like, Oh, I'm awesome. Right. And then you look at it and you're like, you can't see that that's not the level of quality that we're doing here. And sometimes students will go, well, I'm a student. And I'm like, well, I don't care. Right. You're an artist. You like, you want me to pay you to do work then like your work needs to be at the level that the industry is doing. And I know that's really tough out there for up and comers, but like that's the industry, that's the business, right? Like almost as a, as not having experience, you almost want to be better than the average artist out there. right? Right. Because then people are like, well, they don't have any experience, but look at how fucking awesome their art is. We could like, like, it would be awesome to have this person on the team. Right. And, right. and that's kind of the situation, you know, um, plus compared to when I got in the, uh, the uh, industry, like there's probably a hundred times more people graduating with game degrees, game art degrees. Like I was in a graduating class of 15. And you got a game dev degree? No, I they didn't have game dev degree. They had, I have a 3D animation degree, hmm. but it was game. It was like you were a modeler and a texture artist. You like I, I actually am a trained animator, right? But 
the game, the 3D animation um, degree from AI, I went to AI back in the day, um, was like you're building, you're building environments, you're making props, you're making characters. It was, it was kind of like you're doing a little bit of everything. And right. really that's what became, it evolved into the game art degree that you, right. or program that they have now. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So Matt, we've been talking a while now. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and call it. Okay. We're, we're, I want to talk to you again further in the future because there's still lots of questions I have, but yeah, part two. Yeah. I, I definitely want to keep these between like an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. And if it, it, and like, if people have specific questions for me, like that, you know, maybe part two could be a little bit more interactive if you could pregame it a little bit or whatever. Yeah. 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 I this talk a lot. Guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's why we have people on. Uh, but yeah, that's, this is super last minute. So I'm glad you can come over and, and talk with us. So yeah, thank totally. you. Uh, and thank you for listening to the show. If you want to hear more, you can go to iTunes and look for Game Devastation and or go to patreon.com backslash Stephen Frost to hear more episodes of Game Devastation. Thanks again, guys. Adios. <laughs>